All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Brews and Buzzers podcast, where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some local brews. I am Keegan Gowitz. Uh, tonight, I am drinking the Brewdog Hoppy Christmas, Christmas IPA. Um, it's a bitter beer, 6% um, out of Columbus, Ohio. Actually, haven't taken a sip yet, so let me go ahead and do it. Uh, Keegs on background checking right now. I think BrewDogs is actually British-owned. Really? I can't remember from where. But, yeah, so Cincinnati is their U.S. headquarters, or Columbus okay. is. Uh, let me find this out, though. Yeah, so how, how's the beer, though? What are you drinking? What kind of IPA Pretty is good. it? Pretty good. Pretty um, good. It's their, like, Christmas beer. I'm, I'm hopping ahead, if you will, um, out of the Oktoberfest to the Christmas season. So Christmas IPA brewed in Ohio, it says, on the can. Um, so Columbus, USA. Um, yeah, six percenter. Pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's it's pretty tasty. I've I, I enjoyed that first little sip there. So the uh, old Google machine says uh, the original is in Scotland. So I was okay. gonna say you were giving some bad juju with if it was from Wales because that's where I was originally thinking. But they're Scottish. Uh, they also have locations in Australia and uh, Germany, and then uh, Overworks in Elon. I don't know who that is. So when we say we're sipping global brews, I'm completely off right now. Yeah, no, you're good. Oh, so another place in Scotland. So they have two Scottish uh, breweries, evidently. Okay, okay. So, yes. But, uh, yeah, I would say a lot of their beers that they produce for the U.S. are in Columbus, and they actually have a really nice brewery, I guess, there in Columbus. It's Mm -hmm. a... It was one of the places you should go visit whenever you go to a Columbus Crew game. That's one of the okay. places they say to go to. So Nice. Good to know. Good facts there, Toby. I actually knew nothing about this. I just picked it up. I saw Columbus on the back and brewed in Ohio. And, so uh, so those dudes shots. those dudes had a like show uh, a couple years ago. I want to say like six to ten years ago. Uh, the two guys who own brew dogs in Scotland, they had a show where they would go to different cities in the U S it was like a travel channel show and they would go to different breweries and like visit and like do like a tourist type city show. Um, and they would visit different breweries and then they would rate the best breweries of that city. And then they would pick one of the breweries and they would brew a beer based on that city. So each episode was a different city and they would brew a different beer and they would do like crazy things. So like they went to, uh, I forget who makes the steam beer in San Francisco, but they would go to California and they would like rate the beers in California. And then they would rate this one in San Francisco and they actually made a beer and they like, like got all the, uh, all the like water out of all the molecules out of the earth or out of the air. And then they would like brew it based on that. Or like in Chicago, they actually brewed the beer with all the energy instead of boiling water. Uh, naturally, they like use like wind uh, from the Windy wow. City. So wow. yeah, so they did weird shit like that to brew different beers and stuff. But I don't. So know. So they really are a global production, not yeah, not necessarily a local brew. No, I'm not. I apologize not, to all of our fans. I mean that sincerely. that took that took four minutes for me to pretty <laughs> much just shit on you. So <laughs> I no, I appreciate it. Those are those are good facts to know. Those are good facts. Yeah, to know. no. All right, yeah. check out Brewdog. <laughs> yes, please do. Uh, actually. What am I drinking tonight? Uh, what are I you saw, drinking tonight? I, I'm, I'm at Bell's uh, from Comstock, Michigan, uh, and it is their Scotch Ale. It is their Christmas Ale. 
Um, Thanksgiving is in a few days, so I figured I'd have a Christmas ale. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. 7.5% ABV, um, Scotch ale, really caramely malty. Pretty good. Boozy. Nice, nice. Yeah, boozy indeed. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been drinking most of the day. Uh, <laughs> took off the whole week for the World Cup and, of course, Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah, enjoyed the matches this morning um, and into the early afternoon. And we'll just get right into it here. Um, starting off, England, Iran, a um, little bit of a dusting. And England looked sharp. Um, your boy Harry Kane did not get on the score sheet, but I saw the players warming up on the sideline after there were a few goals up, and I saw Phil Foden just itching for a goal, Rashford itching for a goal. Rashford comes in about eight seconds in, snags a goal with it. I think it's first touch in the match, actually. Yeah. Um, but Bukayo Saka, two goals, um, looked really good. And England just in general looked solid. I thought Iran might come out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, a tough first game matchup against England with all their firepower going forward. Uh, we saw Harry Maguire get a little bit of a knock. Um, just thoughts in general uh, about the first match today. A uh, few things that really popped out to me. One, I mean, first and foremost, Iran was playing with a few injuries. Um, yeah. I mean, that and even before they had those injuries, uh, I mean, they were outclassed to begin with yeah. Uh, yeah. against England. Um, Saka looked very good. Uh, you have to remember who he's being picked over, and that's Phil Foden. Uh, and I th- I thought he looked brilliant, honestly. I thought he was one of the more lively, if not the liveliest player for England in that match. Um, Jude Bellingham bossed the entire Class. midfield. Him, him and Declan Rice. Like, dude, the, that tandem – that tandem is going to be England for the next eight to 10 years. Like it's those two dudes up the middle. I looked great today. Um, I mean, like what you were saying earlier, Harry Kane looked good. He had that like, no look pass to uh, the outside of the boot of uh, Sterling. Yeah. yeah, That looked, that was delicious. But uh, I mean, England, here's where England was. They subbed on four players because Maguire got a knock and then they were already about ready to make some subs. And they literally subbed on Jack Graylish, Marcus Rashford, Phil Foden, and Eric Dyer to replace Harry Maguire. Uh, I mean, those are arguably four of the top players at their position in the Premier League. And they subbed all four of them on at the same time. Like, that's where England's at. Like, they're... Those four players alone are each of those four players are better than anyone of their opponents that they were playing against Iran. So, yeah, I mean, that's where they were at. But with that being said, England still had to go out there, win the game. There's been many a times England's wet the bed and they I thought they looked really good. They look lively. They look not like their normal self. I actually thought Southgate put out a pretty good uh, group. I like the, the pairings that they had. I like their back line. Um, John Stone's was arguably their best defender, but he arguably made the worst mistakes. Like he got cooked on the first goal. I want to say then the PK uh, or whatever the penalty was at the end of the game, he was Mm -hmm. the one who caused that. And that was a bonehead play by him when he got beat backside. So uh, two, two plays by him that didn't look good, but uh, arguably I think uh, England was flying the entire time and uh, Maguire's injury could, you know, like he's always a liability, and for but Southgate still plays him as a liability, and yeah. So I mean, having that head injury, who knows what's going to happen with him against the U.S. on Friday? Yeah, I thought Dyer got 
exposed only probably once or twice just speed wise um they're forward to remy that's actually really good to only be exposed that many times (laughs) um just on a long ball he got exposed once or twice but other than that i thought they were solid in the back um obviously stones like you said made the mistake on the penalty but i mean the ball through to play to remy and for the first goal uh was it it was a good ball it was just kind of a toe poke in a tight situation a ball you really don't expect to get through and and it just did and Teremi I thought did a really good job with it but um yeah I mean Bellingham with the first goal I thought Saka looked phenomenal like you mentioned that ball in from Kane for for Sterling for the um for the third goal was really nice and then Rashford came on I thought I thought the Graylish goal actually in the 90th minute was probably their best goal of the match um it was just a team you know build up from the back and it was a really nice goal. They played four or five passes uh, to get through, and then they just found Grealish for a tap in, uh, played the ball square. So I thought they looked good. Um, Iran, I mean, I thought they might come out with just with everything going on there. Props to them first of all for just None, showing up. And I don't and think doing most. Of, I don't think most of them sang their own national anthem. Either. Yeah, no, no, they didn't at all. Um, and there were a lot of pl- uh, fans that were outspoken in the stadium with with signs and flags and everything else. So um, it was it was fun to watch Iran go out there and at least compete and put up a fight. And they, they did continue to put up a fight until, you know, 13 minutes into extra time. So props to them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, England just outclassed them. And I think England kind of set the tone with that match where – you know, you go on to, and we can we can jump into USMNT versus Wales. Um, they kind of set the tone for the group there, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like it's going to be kind of a battle, um, goal differential wise, for Wales and USMNT against Iran to try and I, I I don't expect either of them at this point to beat England. If one of them can get a draw against England, I think that'll be the the decisive factor. Um, if not, I think it'll be a goal differential um, against Iran. So, so strategically on the schedule, in- England plays USA next game, and then England plays Wales at the end. Uh, if England beats USA, do you think England kind of s- coasts into the Wales game, or do you think? Yeah, they- I think that plays a lot into it as well. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe. Because if 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 they've pretty much got it sealed up where they're going to win the group, there's really no reason not to. Um, even with that being said, I think that a lot of the substitutes. I mean, we we already talked about it. The subs that came off the bench for England are probably better than what Wales and USMNT have to offer. Yeah, from the starting lineup, you know, you talk about Rashford, Foden, uh, Graylish, you know, players of that caliber coming in Calvin Phillips um Dyer you know I, I I feel like even if they rest their stars it's still gonna give problems to either team so um the the I, USA Wales game was in my opinion it was frustrating honestly yeah. it wasn't surprising and I mean Tyler Adams like that was literally what I took away from that whole game does it did it feel like a loss to you Keegs watching that game afterwards yeah because the first half 
USMNT, that was probably the the best half that I've seen USMNT play. Um, I thought they were a lot more creative than I've ever seen them play in qualifiers and friendlies leading up to the World Cup. And I, I, I thought a lot of that came from Sergino Dest. He played a ball to Timothy Weah early on, over the top, um, along the right side. And typically you see Sergino Dest just get forward and just literally sprint forward with the ball and then just look around for a place to pass the ball. He played a ball over the top to Timothy Way. He played it into Sargent. Um, ball was deflected, and then it, it, it popped out to the left side, and they played it in again. Ball was headed um, and saved by Hennessy. And I, I just think that mixing it up like that is so huge for them. I, I feel like they've become a little bit predictable and their attack and the way that they move forward. And just that little ball over the top here and there, you know, three, four or five times a match can make a huge difference in the way they, atta- they attack. Um, like you mentioned, Tyler Adams, I thought was phenomenal. I mentioned a couple times to the people I was watching the match with, he reminded me of Tiago at times, just dropping back, creating space, being an outlet for people, slow the game down, control the pace of the match. And I thought he did that really, really well. And I think he's probably the most important player for the USMNT. He, Weston McKinney as well, but Eunice yeah. Musa was most, mainly on the outside, but Weston McKinney and then mainly Tyler Adams, they found every pocket of open space in the middle of the pitch that made it just like it was an instant outlet the entire time. That There was times the U.S. surprised me with how beautiful they were one-touch passing. Yeah, and it yeah. would go from wing back to center back to wing back to center back to Tyler Adams. And Tyler Adams would just nonchalantly turn up field or he would fake turning up field, draw the defender in and then go back to the center back, back to the wing back and then go up the go up the flank on the right or left side, wherever it would be. And that's the thing I would like to see a little bit more of. Um you mentioned, you know, fake one way, go back to the center back, go back to the wing back. I would even like them to expedite that a little bit more, go straight back to the wing back. And like I said, with Sergio Dest playing a ball, um, a, a lofted ball down the line to Timothy Wea. I would like to see some diagonal balls in there too. You know, I mean, I'll throw out Liverpool, of course, because I'm a homer, but, you know, they play that diagonal ball really well. And uh, Andrew Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold play that ball where you've, you've sucked the defense to one side as you're going down the right or the left, and then you play that ball across, and you just create so much space with that, and then you've got diagonal runs coming through. I would love to see that. I don't know if we will see that, but I was at least happy to see some balls over the top, um, and it was just different. It, it, it felt like a different attack. It felt like a different progression moving forward than anything mm-hmm. else that we've seen so far. And that was refreshing and that was exciting to watch. In the first half, it was really, really good. Second half, I mean, you expected with Wales, with the pace that they have with Bale, Dan James, um, even Nico Williams in there, you know, they don't have like a true number nine. They don't really have a, a true attacking threat. No, Kiefer, so Kiefer Moore or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, he came on. He came in, on. In the second half, and he made a difference, honestly. And that's yeah. when they became – I think the tactics changed in the second half for Wales for a more direct uh, option. And, I mean, it definitely goes into what you were saying. 
Yeah, and that's why I uh, even with a one nil lead, I would have liked to have seen the U.S. keep their foot on the pedal a little bit, um, just because I felt like Wales, if they were going to strike, they were going to strike on the counter, and I would have liked to have seen the U.S. keep a little bit more pressure on them. And I understand you got a one nil lead, you're going to waste, you know, spend a little more time, keep possession a little bit more, but. Um, I feel like against a team like that, when you're really pushing in the first half, come out and try and punch them again um, and try and grab a second goal, and and, and they kind of let their foot off the pedal a little bit. No, I mean, that's exactly what happened because in the 82nd minute, Gareth Bale took that knock, which people groaned where we were watching it, but, I mean, that was definitely a penalty in my opinion. He went through his – Absolutely a penalty and an unnecessary penalty. Yeah, well. back back to the goal. Like, yes, yeah. Gareth Bale's – I mean, the same thing with Kellen Acosta getting a yellow card at the very end of the game at like 93rd or 4th minute, where Gareth Bale, you could tell from inside and in, just inside the half, was getting ready to cock one for, you know, 45 plus yards uh, and got that. But yeah, I mean, the game was physical the entire time. I thought at times the refereeing was spotty at most. I mean, there was some time, like he gave some yellows right off the back, ticky tack yellows, especially one of them to the U.S. Uh, didn't give some to Wales. I mean, that's 50-50 here, there, penalties, whatever. Um, <clears throat> Pulisic took a beating that entire game. I thought he was actually very good. I, I liked his runs he was doing. I, I I don't know if this is a Greg Berhalter or just the U.S. cohesiveness, but, I mean, because, honestly, I can't remember the last time I've seen that group of, like, McKenney, Pulisic, Adams with Sargent, and like uh, Wea, like I don't remember those guys all playing together. So I don't think there's that much cohesiveness. But they uh, they looked really good playing in the pockets. But with that being said, Keegs like they controlled possession and only had one shot on goal the entire game. One shot on goal. And is that the Burhalter system? Is that a is that like the problem with Greg Burhalter's system, or is that like the players? I mean, they were compacting. Wales was, of course. Don't get me wrong. They were compacting back. They had a lot of defense playing, but I mean, one shot on goal with that much possession. Yeah. yeah. I think, like you said, it was a really aggressive game. It was a really physical game in the midfield. Um, I mean, you look at even Wales only had, I mean, they had three shots on goal. And like I mentioned earlier, they played a little bit more defensive, a little bit more on the counter attack. So um, I think maybe it could be a little bit, you know, bear halter system, but, also, even with that, I mean, Pulisic got the ball in some dangerous areas, and and he likes to go with defenders, and I think that's great. But I I, I don't think he's a good deliverer. Um, I, I I don't think he plays dangerous balls in his ever. free his free kicks. Neither. His free his, kicks are terrible. Terrible, yeah. and his corner kicks all is terrible. Yeah. Like yeah. what? Yeah. I think they're really bad, and I think it's yeah. I think even his crosses in are bad. So I I would like to see a little bit more. Okay, you can go towards the defender if you have a shot. Great. If not, there needs to be that overlapping run where you play the ball towards the touchline, and then look for you know Anthony Robinson there on your left. Um, if it's there, and if it's not, have the patience. In my opinion, have the patience to play the ball out to the center. Drop it back to Weston McKinney or Musa or Tyler Adams and just reset things. You know, that's 
that's the thing with this group that's been a little bit frustrating is sometimes it feels like they don't want to play the ball back um, and they just don't want to reset play a little bit. And, and I feel like you have to be patient, especially with against, against a team that's going to post up like that defensively where they're going to just sit back. You know, you, you have to create holes. They're, they're not going to give you any holes. You have to create them. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that comes to resetting things being patient and and just moving the ball around a little bit. It's almost like like playing against a zone offense in, or a zone defense in basketball. Like ball movement, ball movement, a lot of passing, a lot of creative passing. And then make a run that no one expects. And I, I feel like that's the creativity that's missing a little bit. Is it's been very systemic in Berhalter's, you know, team where and and I think today was was probably the most creative that they've been. But I feel like you have to create even more and you have to be able to adapt to a situation like that where if a team's playing a low block, you've just got to figure something else out and you got to be really, really patient to do that. Uh, something to look forward to Friday. Um, I mean, Timothy Weah looked silky today. Yeah. Uh, first great goal. Finish. First, great first, yeah. That So what you were just talking about, Keegs, like I think his cut, his run that he made off the ball and Pulisic to see that, like that was just – it was beautiful. That was by far the best sequence of the entire game yeah. was that, that goal opportunity. Um, but moving forward to Friday against England, uh, Weston McKenney looked like he pulled up with a groin injury. It kind of looked like he was grabbing like that area uh, multiple times at the final five minutes before he was subbed off. Uh, and Brendan Aronson comes on, looked good. Didn't look great, but looked lively. Looked like if if they could have given him sixty plus minutes, he minutes yeah. he would have made a difference. Yeah. No Giorena. Don't know what's going on. Uh, I said something about it on the on Twitter. Follow some Bruce and Belters. Uh, no Reina, no Aronson. Are two guys that we thought would be spark plugs for this team. I think going into England, I think those two are must starts. Um, I don't know where you stick them. Like if McKenney's injured, maybe, and I didn't see too much out of uh, uh, Josh Sargent at the yeah. top. I didn't see much out of him. Um, so I don't know if you put Reina up top ahead of them or have him and Pulisic play, you know, down the center together. I don't know what you want to do, uh, but both of those, is there anyone else that you would see different Burhalter doing going into Friday? No, just those two for me. Um, I don't know. I mean, looking at the midfield, I feel like you've got Adams, who's a very good six, very, very good six. I thought he was the the most important player probably um, today. I think his movement's great. His ability to find space and be an outlet is great. His ability to relieve the rest of the team of pressure um, is extremely underappreciated. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I think just I just now thought of this, but him being called captain over Pulisic, I think is a blessing as well because yeah. I, Pulisic yeah. was captain a few times, and I don't think I think he's better not being captain. You know, like not having that responsibility to like carry the team. Yeah, I think that's better on Tyler Adams. You know, yeah, I think Tyler Adams is more fit for it. Um, I, I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I just think Tyler Adams is 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 better fit for that. Um I think Aronson, I Josh Sargent has been really good this year in the EFL, but um in, in, in the championship, but 
I would really like to see Brendan Aronson play a false nine. And I think Gio Reyna could, could slide into a midfield position, especially if Weston McKinney's injured. Because you already have, like I said, Tyler Adams plays that deep lying. He's a little bit more defensive-minded. Um, it just felt like they had Tyler Adams' defensive mid, and then they had two box-to-box mids with McKinney and Musa. And it's like, why not Why not throw a false nine in there and or a number 10 in there, um, you know, to balance things out, be a little bit more attacking. So against England, obviously, maybe you want to play a little bit more defensive. It really just depends on, on how things are going at that point. But um, why not go out and try and smack them in the face in the first half and then adjust from there? But Obviously, it's a lot easier to say when my job isn't on the line. Uh, is Bale, Gareth Bale of Wales, is he the best British player of all time? The best British player of all British. time? Absolutely not. No, he's the best Welsh player probably of all yeah. time. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Unless you want to throw Aaron Ramsey out there. <laughs> no, I want to throw his hair out there just like I want to throw <laughs> <laughs> Josh Sargent. Oh, of course. Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent. I don't know why I'm saying that. He's just a ginger. Uh, Sarginio Des. His hair was looking crisp. Yeah. As soon as I saw the bleach haircuts out there, I knew you would be all over it. I am all over it. Yeah. I was screenshotting galore on everything. Yeah. It's been a good, uh, a good, a good two days. I think we're gonna get some more. Uh, yeah, we will surely. Argentina's gonna have hella bleach hair tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that and I guess them and I think Brazil as well flew in yeah. uh, beef suppliers. So they have like their <laughs> own their yeah. own beef steak guys. And I want to say each of them had like hundreds of pounds, like like a cow's worth that they brought in for the team for this next month. So they have a taste of home. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy. The World Cup's crazy. Qatar's crazy. Everything's crazy in the world right now. Netherlands uh, took Senegal 2-0. Anything you want to say about that before we? Uh... <sighs> Netherlands, Netherlands, Netherlands. Um, Senegal are a good team. Netherlands defensively, I think, is sound. Especially they keep that three back there with Ake, Van Dijk, and De Ligt. Um, that sounds very good, by the way. That sounds like yeah, a, yeah. a great back it is, three. It is. It is a good back three. It's a really good back three. Um, when you look at their wing backs, you've got Dally Blind, who's like 49 years old. Still really. good, he's, though. He's like 38 years old. And then you've got Dumfries, who's good. Going um, to probably be a Tottenham Hotspur after January, by the way. No, no, he's not. He's going to stay at Inter. Um, mm-hmm. But... So you've got a solid defense midfield. Um, I just feel like the young is carrying the ball constantly. It felt like there were so many moments in the match where the young was just dribbling around with the ball for 10 to 15 yards <laughs> looking with, for, with no one to pass the ball. Just to. looking for Donnie Van de Beek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He just had no one to play the ball to, and it, it, it wasn't even like he was looking for an incisive run. He was literally just lo- looking for somebody to just play a pass to, get the ball right back, and look for something else, Keep get his head up and look for something else. And moving forward, I mean, they had Jansen playing up top. 
Um, I thought Gakpo was good. I mean, he scored the goal, obviously. Great header. Uh, made a made a very aggressive run forward for the header, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. But I just feel like in the midfield, I know it's a lot to ask an 18-year-old to come on and play, but Xavi Simmons, I would love to see come on and play and compliment De Jong in the midfield. I mean, that that that's that's what Netherlands is built on. That's what the Dutch system is built on, is controlling the midfield. They're, that's the country and the system that created Barcelona, the Barcelona that we grew up in new, the Spain that we grew up in new. I would just really like to see De Jong have somebody to play the ball off of. And on top of that, in the midfield, I would like to see a forward-moving player um, outside of Janssen, namely Memphis Depay, who they can play the ball off of and really integrate some passing, some one-two, and just create something going forward. I I just didn't feel like they had a ton going forward. They're reliable defensively. They're strong in the midfield with De Jong being that catalyst and that talisman, but if you don't have anything going forward, you're going to be, you you you're going to get smoked in this tournament because there's a lot of teams that can score goals, and it just feels like they need something up top. So hopefully, Depay he came off the bench, but I would like to see them start him moving forward. But even even if he is up there starting moving forward, I I just feel like they don't have a super reliable attacking player. Yeah. So Yavi Simmons is the PSV wonder boy. Um, he's most likely not going to be a PSV in the next two to 12 months, I would assume. Um, Steven Bergwijn, Stevie Bergwijn, the flying Dutchman himself, who teabagged, uh, Leicester city for Tottenham a couple months ago. He did. Uh, uh, looked okay. Vincent Jensen, uh, Jensen got subbed off for Memphis to pie. I think we need more Memphis to pie on this podcast. Uh, they all looked really good, but Senegal, in my opinion, looked for 80 minutes of the game, you know, maybe I can't remember when the goals exactly were scored, but I think it was after the 85th minute. Uh, but for 80 minutes of the game, Senegal looked really good and I I was rooting for him. I really was like they, I, I wanted them to win it and they just didn't have any firepower. You know, they were missing like a world-class striking forward you know what i mean and that's what yeah like a sadio mane (laughs) exactly and they 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 don't have that and they have a goalkeeper who is really good like came to fame got got signed with chelsea you know and then just kind of kind of floating around i thought he looked good but i don't know maybe he could have saved one of those goals but i mean both of them are in my opinion, it didn't matter what goalie you had in, in net. I think they're stout in the back, and they're athletically in the midfield. Um, they're athletic in the midfield. So um, they did a 4-2-3-1 with Koulibaly and uh, Kise, and then they have Diallo and Sabali. Uh, I don't know who that is, Sabali. Uh, Yusuf Sabali. Yeah, so they, they have a pretty good back line, it looks like. Yusuf Sabali yeah. is Senegal, plays for uh, Real Betis. So. Yeah. I got a a Real Betis jersey on right now. Oh, no. Oh, my Uh, God, you do. I do. (laughs) You look good. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think think they're solid. Their midfield looks out. I think Kuyate looked really good at times. Um, I thought Adrisiana Gay played all right. And I just – I think that they're missing that. 
that presence of Sadio Mane up top. He doesn't play, you know, with Bayern and Liverpool, he's played out on the left. With Senegal, he typically plays a, a free roaming number 10. Or he's just <laughs> yeah. kind of a, a creative yeah. playmaker. Yeah, you just, just give us goals. To, yeah, get goals, the ball goals, to goals. him. And either you create a goal or you set somebody up to score a goal. And I think they're really, really going to miss that. I think they're going to struggle to score goals, which yeah. sucks. Mane was good at scoring goals. So they're in the same group, Group A, with Qatar and Ecuador. And the, that was the kickoff game on Sunday was uh, Qatar losing to Ecuador. Qatar might be the worst team to ever play in the World Cup ever. Yeah, probably. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it is a shame for Senegal. But with that being said, I still think even after watching them get – get beat 2-0 i still think they are equal to ecuador i think they could beat ecuador even without yeah. money um prior to this match I, I i thought ecuador might beat them and they ecuador still could beat them but um i thought senegal put up a really good fight against netherlands i mean the first goal wasn't scored until the 80 84th minute and then the second goal was scored in the 99th minute so um you know it's a 2-0 win for netherlands on paper but realistically you know until the last five minutes plus stoppage it was a nil nil keeks keeks uh you said 99th minute and you're talking about the two the Mm 2-0 victory and uh usa was 1-1 they went i think 99 minutes are you okay with all the extra stoppage time? It seems more excessive than normal compared to the Premier League. Does seem like a lot of stoppage time, uh, actually. But with that being said, don't you need to worry about it based on – I mean, it's going to come down to after U.S.'s 1-1 draw to Wales, it's going to come down to Tuesday, which, by the way, we're going to be live – not live, but we're going to be recording Tuesday night. We with, could go live. With Jack Butler. Yeah, we might go live. Who knows? We could do both. Uh, but we are going to be dissecting that, and it's going to come down to goal differential between Wales and U.S., I would assume, correct? Yeah, yeah, most likely. It, it, it seems that way after. So after having that. 99 minutes, and then you were saying Senegal having 90-whatever minutes makes sense, correct? Yeah, yeah. To be given it. But at the same time, it's like, dude, that seems so excessive when you yeah. should – even with VAR and everything else, it should be nine, two, three minutes, four minutes if it's crazy. I don't know. I, I just don't see why there's been so many minutes given on each of these. Yeah, I mean, England first half made sense with the Iran goalkeeper going down for a long extended period of play. But, um, yeah, everything else, it, it, it didn't seem like there was that much additional time. I guess in the U.S. match you had – Quite a few Wales players actually going down. Um, but nine minutes still feels a little bit excessive. So um, we'll see if maybe that's changed. I'm sure that, you know, referees, that's that's probably, you would imagine, a, a constant thing where, you know, they're not going back and just throwing back a few pints. Well, in Qatar you can't. But, you know, they're not just going back. <laughs> they're not just going back and relaxing. They're probably reviewing the match and studying from the match and learning from it. You would hope at least. So um, maybe we'll see that go down a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely seemed excessive today. Each of the three matches today had a lot of extra time. So we'll see what happens going forward. But yeah, I mean, that can play a pivotal role moving forward with, especially as Wales and USMNT kind of, you know, 
are 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 going to be fighting tooth and nail for for points here moving forward. Uh, tomorrow, do you still like Poland over Mexico? You said last last week's pod. You said you, uh, you like Poland. I do actually. I like I, I do like Poland. Um, I just I just don't feel like I I feel like Mexico is going to need something special, really special, to beat Poland. Um, and I just don't know if they've got it. I I think Maddie Cash right back. Irving uh, Chucky Lozano, right wing. I would mm-hmm. like to see those two going up against each other. I'm curious if Poland maybe will switch Matty Cash over to the left side. I'm not sure who Poland's normal left back is, uh, but I, I think that could be an interesting matchup. Um, other than that, though, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I guess it depends if Raul Jimenez comes out and plays well. It, it just really depends on how – Mexico looks going forward. I think Poland could score some goals, um, but I think it'll it'll probably come down to the midfield and how play channels through the midfield and who dominates that because Mexico's midfield is aging a little bit with Hector Herrera there. Um, yeah, and I I just think it's going to be a battle in there to to decide who can push play in their in, in their direction, make things positive for them. And uh, I don't know. I just don't feel great about Mexico. Uh, so Poland usually has Jan Benderek, who is a uh, player for Aston Villa. He's a wingback for Aston Villa. They usually have him, and then they usually have uh, uh, Jacob Kiwara, who is of Spezia. Spezia. So, yeah, yeah. so... I uh, don't know him, but yeah, so they, they do have some wingbacks because at least two from Villa. So I didn't realize that <laughs> Villa was cornering the Poland. Villa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> they win all the pierogies <laughs> in one corner. So um, I guess besides that, is there any other games I guess you're looking forward to until next Tuesday? I mean, I'm excited to watch Argentina tomorrow if I can stay awake at 4 a.m. I mean, they're playing against Saudi Arabia, but just to watch them play and, and just see how they line up, see how they operate as a group will be interesting. Same with Denmark. I don't think Tunisia will cause them any troubles tomorrow at 7 a.m., but um, I am curious to kind of see how they line up. I, I think that they're one of those teams that no one will necessarily leap off the, street, off the screen for you, but I think – one through 11 they're a solid good unit all the way through yeah um tunisia tunisia just a quick scouting report is is a pretty solid afcon team like they are they they're they're going to be better than iran they're going to be better than qatar yeah uh they're they're one of the better than north african teams yeah if you're making it out of africa you've you've got a decent squad i mean look at the african teams that didn't make it ivory coast nigeria i mean that that's that's a statement just to be in the world cup so algeria i mean that's a statement just to be in the world cup in general yeah uh, Wednesday has some pretty good games with Belgium, Canada, Croatia, Spain, Germany, Japan, and then uh, or excuse me, Costa, Costa Rica, Rica, Spain, Spain yeah. and then uh, yeah, Croatia, Morocco. Croatia, Morocco. I, I, I think that'll be a really good oh, matchup. Actually. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, all of them, uh, with the exception of Spain, Costa Rica. I expect Spain to cruise through Costa Rica, but 
Um, I think Japan is is better than a lot of team. Uh, a lot of people realize. I think Germany has a really good team. Are you gonna shed a tear for Minamino? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, I think Germany has a, a really solid young team mixed with some some solid veterans as well. I think they're really well balanced in that regard. So I think that Germany could potentially expose Japan, but I think J- Japan's a lot better than a lot of people realize. Um, Belgium, I expect to beat Canada, but I think Canada's got a really solid squad as well. Like I said, I think Spain will cruise through Costa Rica, but I think Morocco, Croatia could be interesting. Croatia is obviously a team where a lot of their superstars and a lot of their talisman are aging. And it could be, we could see a little bit of a hangover from uh, the 2018 World Cup, or we could see them come back with even more of a chip on their shoulder and, and really deliver. So um, I'm very, very interested to see what Croatia do. Yeah, they were one of my uh, dark horses, along with, of course, the two teams that are going on Thursday on Thanksgiving, Korea and Uruguay. Those are like my three dark horses of the of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so they're playing. And then Portugal, Ghana, Serbia, Brazil, Switzerland, uh, Cameroon. Uh, is there any? I guess just pick out one quick game that you would want to ex- that you think is going to be good to watch Thanksgiving because these are all afternoon morning games. So you can watch them while cooking the turkey, you know, getting ready. I don't know. Are you making a turkey this year, Keegs? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Pops is making the turkey. I am going to be laying around on the living room floor. How, how's the Pops make a turkey? Fry? Uh, yeah, deep smoke? Fry. Deep fry. You, yep. Oh, Midwest style. Love it. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, chop it up with him and see what he uh, uses injections. So. Yeah. Yeah. Unless do you, do you have do you have his recipe his injection no, no. recipe? We'll no. have to connect offline for that. That's secret. <laughs> so 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 what I'm getting at is World Cup games are best watched in the morning live, not because they do replays at night. I don't know if you realize this. FS1 and Fox have night like seven o'clock prime time, but uh, they do have the during the day. So Switzerland, Cameroon, whatever. But Korea, Uruguay, seven a.m. That's get the get the turkey ready throw it on you know get it out of the brine get it going that's it right there that's my game of the week in my opinion i think it's going to be awesome i expect you're going to beat korea sadly two to one but i expect it to be one of the best games of the first games of the tournament because it's the very final day of the first games I think uh, I think this entire day is going to be great matches. Honestly, you do. Um, what, yeah, who, I really who do you do. like? Well, let's let's go through it. Brazil, Serbia. Yeah. Who do you like? I I like Brazil, but I think Serbia is going to give them a lot more problems. Really? Than expect. I think it's an interesting matchup where Brazil is that sexy, um, skillful, you know, quick style of play, and I think Serbia is that slow it down, powerful, you know, Alexander Mitrovic coming in and just winning headers over. Oh, people. so that I was thinking Vlahovic, but he doesn't play for and, Serbia. No, he 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 does. It's oh Vlahovic, Mitrovic, um, and okay, got maybe Zielinski. Maybe my, I'm 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 struggling to remember. My fourth they've, dark they've horse. Got a third. They've got a third of the. It's it's a three headed dragon there. 
Oh my God, they have yeah. some offensive talent. Like some but of the goalie def- can. <laughs> yeah, defensively they've got. Uh, yeah, no God, one. They've got some guy in. No, they've got some guy in the area. I forget his name. God, All right, give me give me um, a second. I'm gonna pull it up. I'm pulling up the lineups right now. I just think that the, it, it could be an interesting matchup where Brazil could potentially just pass the ball in circles around them. Or Serbia could use that physicality to their advantage where maybe Mitrovic is just holding up play and just opening up everyone else. And it could be extremely interesting where maybe they put six, seven shots on goal and maybe one or two of them goes in. So um, uh, they have a Masovic, who I don't know who he is from. And then Milankovsky, Babic. Uh, And then they. They have some guy, uh, Milikovic, Milikovic yeah, Savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Sergi. Yep. Uh, let me see where he's. Oh, so that's a midfielder. Yeah. Lazio. Oh, of course he knows. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. who he is. He's They're all, all the Serbians play in Syria. Um, yeah. <laughs> Serbian. I, I have to look this up. Excuse us, listeners. Serbian defenders. Um, uh, Bobbin. Nikola Milinkovic, he plays for, I believe, Fiorentina. Am I correct? Yep, Fiorentina. Um, solid center back. Other than that, I don't know what they've got on the they, wings. Their goalie no is t- a Torino, Torino FC is their okay. goalie. So, yeah, yeah, they got a little bit of Syria. Yeah, you're right. They are all yeah, Syria. Yeah, they've got a ton of Syria. Yep. Um, with the exception of Mitrovic. So, um, I mean, attacking, they've they've got a lot of a lot of threats. Defensively, I'm, I'm, you know, Brazil could p- potentially expose them. So we'll see. Brazil, Brazil will expose them. Yeah, most likely <laughs> they will expose yeah. them. That yeah. that that could be a match that that could be a shootout. That could be a Kansas City Chiefs first, uh, Los Angeles Chargers type match, or or Buffalo whoa, Bills type whoa, match. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Where you just are are gunning for each other offensively, but. On top of that, I think all these matches really, I mean, Switzerland, Cameron, I think those are evenly matched squads where they don't have like a crazy, crazy star, but they're solid all the way through. And I think that it could be, even if it ends up 1-1 or 1-0, I think it could be a really, really back and forth entertaining match. Um, Uruguay, South Korea, like you said, I could see it being 2-1 Uruguay over South Korea. But also, I mean, you've got, star power there you've got players who can make incredible plays and score incredible goals and defensively you've got players who can who can make incredible stops so i think that could be a extremely entertaining match and then portugal ghana ghana was really solid in in afcon um they've got some players who can make a difference portugal has obviously as we know a ton of star power i could see portugal overpowering them you know two three one but I can see Ghana making things interesting as well. Uh, Cameroon and Ghana, in my opinion, with Senegal being out with uh, Mane, um, I expect Cameroon and Ghana to be the two top African teams, in my opinion. And they're both playing on this day. And I, I actually, I talked about it last week a little bit. I, I think Portugal is soft right now. And I think, I think the Cristiano Ronaldo drama is more than what it should be. It's more than what it should be, and I expect I expect Ghana to take it to Portugal. I don't expect them to beat them, but if you would have shown me this, give them an eye opener, though. Yeah, six months yeah. ago, I would have been like, 
just on paper, Portugal beats them 4-1-3-0, something like that. But I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be a 1-2-2-1-0-2-2-1, something like that. Like it's Portugal's going to have to fight for this one. And that's one of the things I'm interested to watch because Portugal, I mean, just what I've seen, videos, snippets, clips, stuff like that, um, I get the same vibe out of the Portugal camp, and we talked about this before. But you realistically, we never know what's going on there. You know, those those could yeah. just be little hand-selected clips. Um, maybe maybe things are, are jiving there. Maybe things – maybe they're feeling good. Maybe they're all rallying behind Ronaldo. So you never I, really know, and I'm, I'm, I, I think that first match will tell us because Ghana is no Saudi Arabia or Qatar. You know what I mean? Like – they're going to have to come out and they're going to have to be clicking and they're going to have to be playing well to really make a statement against Ghana. And so I think that first match will be really, really telling about the state of Portugal. Yeah. I mean, Portugal is definitely the number one out of this group. If they fall out, it'll be number two, but then you have Ghana, Uruguay, and Korea, and all three of those could be easily number two in that group. Um, so if one of those skids into number one or uh, accelerates into number one, then some team has to skid into number two, and it's most likely going to be Portugal. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right when saying that it's going to be uh, every every game definitely matters in this one. Whereas you know you look at some of the other groups, and there's one team that's like, oh, that's the that's the cakewalk, like that's a guaranteed three points. You know, with the USA, it's Iran. Like they, sh- every team should be Iran. Like Iran should should be one of the dog walks. Like you should be able to dog walk them. And I don't see that with Uruguay or Ghana and Korea. Definitely not. So yeah, yeah, definitely with. Uh, and I think that's a thing. You know, I think the midfield's super important in every one of these matchups, especially in in the World Cup. But um, having that firepower up top that Uruguay has. And then just having a, a commanding presence in the back, like Kim Min Jae, um, I think brings a ton to South Korea. So I, I think that they can be a threat. And, you know, like I said, Ghana is just well rounded. Uruguay is, is solid. So so we already we already talked about the the game itself, but Friday, Black Friday, Black Friday, one o'clock, arguably the biggest game in our country's history for the sport. Yeah. USA, England. Uh, what's your prediction? Based off today, <laughs> I think England is far better than we are. Um, like how far? Like 3-1 far? Like 3-1 or potentially 3-0. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking three yeah. one. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna go down two one. Maybe make it or two zero. Maybe make it two one. Then garbage time. They get a third. Yeah, yeah. Because we're that. trying to send it to two two to get the equalizer, and they get the third one. And it's three yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I could see that as well. But you never know. I mean, that's that's yep. the beauty of the World Cup. It depends who shows up that day and a million factors that go into it. And um, who knows? We could see some heroes pop out of nowhere. Brendan Aronson, that's our yeah. hero. He's got to be in Gio I would Reina, love it. I, 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 I would want to see it be Brendan Aronson. Uh, do you, do you think you think Berhalter was like, way. hey, we're just playing you 30 minutes, dude. 
go out there for 90 against England and yeah. try and get us into the round of 16. I hope so. Uh, I don't know if Bear Halter even thinks about, you know, things. Anything besides his shoes. Yeah, yeah, he has some Jordans on. Those are pretty – I like the plush Jordans. Like, they remind yeah. me of the Harachis I had. They are pretty sexy, but – Yeah, he's got a great shoe game. Uh, uh, if he could channel that into being a manager. Yeah, so I was beneficial. with dudes. I was with work co- co-workers and people of this Dudes, sorts. co-workers. Workers. Uh, and <laughs> they all – most of them don't know anything about the sport. Uh, they did not like passing backwards as much as the U.S. did, and they did not like that the coach looked the way he did. He looked, he looked like he got out of bed is how they described it. They're not used to seeing someone in a T-shirt. They're used to seeing, like, NBA coaches in, like, a suit. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I get it, honestly. You're at the World Cup. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's that's the argument, and that's why we have Graham Potter, who's the villain. <laughs> so. Um, I can't be mad. I wore uh, when I went to the soccer bar this morning. I ordered a pair of cargo pants in honor of Pep Guardiola. Oh, you guzzy sleaze bag! I wore them to the Red Lion Pub today, and I thought about just walking, just pacing along the bar, and like doing the little Pep Guard. Pep always, every time the camera goes to him, he's like, he's like queuing up a little spit wad and then he'll spit it out and then he'll just keep pacing and then he'll yell some directions and i thought about just doing a a precise pep in, in like impersonation i didn't do that i just sat there and drank my beer and enjoyed the match instead but, you um, instead you thought padded, about instead you padded your cargo shorts pockets and said don't worry about me. <laughs> you hold. I said, on "Where's my, my cigarettes? You, Where's you hold, my cigarettes? <laughs> you hold on to my trinkets. I will make friends." <laughs> yeah, no, but I, oh I, I got the God. Pep Guardiola tens. Um, and I, <laughs> I just showed up to the, the red line and did my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was nice. It was nice. Um, yeah, I mean that. I feel like that's a weird thing for for a lot of people who are foreign to the sport. What car- to, cargo pants? <laughs> no, <laughs> oh. to people who are foreign to the sport, it's like you can either see a manager in like a three piece suit, or you can see, see like Maurizio Sarri smoking skags on the sideline, sipping a cappuccino in like a sweatsuit and a and a chain. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, yeah, these people are these managers are, are actually on par with each other. No, but it's it's honestly this is Premier League and this is La Liga. And oh, here is Serie A. It's like <laughs> Serie A, dude, those dudes just wear sweatsuits. Like yeah. we already got it, we already got it's it. Part queued. of the culture, man. The, the Napoli sweatsuit is cued. If they win it, I'm buying it for kids yeah. and I. Like it's yeah. it's it's a foregone yeah, conclusion. Yeah, yeah it's too. it's done. Uh, do you have any boost cheers or belters to wrap I, up this hour? I don't. Um, a cheers for Alex Scott. Um, oh, that's literally all I wrote for my yeah, cheer, Alex yeah. Scott, the commentator who wore the uh, the One Love um, armband that the FA pretty much put a band on uh, a, a kibosh on that because FIFA instructed them to. Because rainbows mean you're gay, and yeah, gay is bad. Yeah gay is bad in Qatar. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she, she threw it on for, uh, for the pregame and shout out to her. We threw it on the Twitter. Um, 
we said we have confirmed our sources have confirmed there is one fa representative with uh with their spine intact and it is alex scott so choose to her yeah so that's my boo actually is to the fact that fifa the fa made uh belgium remove love yeah. from the belgium away inside collar you can't yeah. even see it yeah. not visible it just says love on the inside of the collar touching the nape of their neck and they can't yeah. wear it. Yeah. uh granted their the actual belgium logo looked pretty dope it was it kind of looked bruising beltery very dope yeah yeah kind of bruising beltery mixed with a little bit of other stuff like maybe a little hawaiian bruising beltery i don't know i've never i've only been to hawaii a few times no subtle brag uh but yeah pretty dope but yeah they were saying they need to get rid of it and i hope they don't like i was hoping harry I kane really i was hoping yeah. harry kane would say no f you i was hoping everyone would say no f you but i think it was a it was a grouped world cup thing that said hey guys don't do this like if you score goals don't pull up your shirt and say whatever you know like i don't know what's going on yeah, I, I, it seems so policed, and there's times where I'm like, "This is so corrupt." Because it is I, so corrupt. Yeah, yeah, it's upsetting. It really is. Yeah, and you see that with Iran. Um, you know, part of me watching today was like, "I hope when they score a goal, they make a statement." But at the same time, it was like, "I don't want these guys to potentially go home and die." I mean, that dude, that's it's not the just severity. Them, it's that that's the seriousness of the situation. And it's like their families. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's way um, bigger it's, than that. Yeah, it's it's much bigger than uh sadly it's much bigger than making a statement, which is is really, really, really sad. So uh that can be our boo, I guess, is just the fact that you really can't make some of these players really can't make a statement yeah. um without fear for their life for their loved ones. So uh, uh way lighter boo uh yeah there thank are no, you yeah there are no belters because there have been no belters in this tournament let's let's boo that but yeah let's, let's get on to yeah, soccer soccer had a little bit of a belter i mean it was a nice little volley yeah, arsenal the, fans arsenal guys don't do belters you know kiss the uh kiss the crossbar but yeah it wasn't anything like you know that would that would shock you it wasn't yeah. anything incredible did you say anything that was Sakya or anything that, that was Shakya? Like, okay, I Sakya. didn't know. Shakya. That was a pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I like it. Not that clever. <laughs> um, other than that, no, I I really have no belters. Have no have no cheers. What about you? Uh, that those were my <laughs> those were everything. So yeah, we're good. Right cool. at an hour. Right. Holy shit! Well, every we'll, every uh... week. <laughs> We'll continue going throughout the week. We'll probably just be popping on randomly. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Brews and Belters. We've got some. We've been throwing out some World Cup history here and there um, over the past ten days. We've done a countdown to the World Cup, oh. and then we threw out a fun little, uh, a fun little World Cup icon today with Pickles, the Border Collie who found the Jules Rimet, uh trophy back in 1966. So, um, look it up. Yeah, we'll continue uh, throwing some stuff out there on the social media, and we'll hop on either here on Spotify or we'll uh, we'll live stream some episodes on Twitter potentially as the World Cup pro progresses. But um, other than that, peace. Cheers.